Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scholey, author of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics and Fantastic Four Grand Design. Daredevil, the Man Without Fear miniseries, is what is under the microscope today. But first, I want to invite you guys to like, follow, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. And that'll mitigate the kayfabe effect, which is what happens when we talk about comics early in the day when we put these videos out there by early afternoon, midday. The stuff we talk about uh, often goes uh, out of print or disappears off of the secondary market online, Amazon, eBay, or it's just prohibitively expensive and even harder to get. Uh, if you watch these videos to the very end, you're also going to be help the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel out a lot by pushing our content out to a wider comic book viewing audience on YouTube. Helps us increase our subscriber numbers and continue to make it possible to bring you these videos on a regular basis. Um, without further ado, let's take a look at Daredevil, Man Without Fear, five-issue miniseries by a murderous bro mm -hmm. of creative talent for Frank Miller's repurposed screenplay treatment to John Romita Jr.'s incredibly lush pencils to Al Williamson's great finishes, Christy Max Shields color on top of the artwork, long-standing tradition in the JRJR Al Williamson uh, tradition. Christy also colored Batman, I mean Daredevil Born Again. So she has a long relationship with the character and Joe Rosen on lettering duties, man, to kind of tie everything together. Man, this series, this is basically when I really started to discover comic shops is when this thing started to come out. And this was on the racks, man, $2.95. It was the price of three comics to get my hands on this thing, of which I did not. I had a buddy who got a hold of it and somehow through those like childish, like I'll give you this and you give me that kind of a yeah. barter system mm -hmm. that went on as kids. I might've given him, I don't know, a couple football cards or something like this, man. An Isaiah Thomas rookie uh, for, for this issue right here, because I could not, he could not leave my house with it. I needed to have this comic here. Yeah. When, when, for me, when this came out, it was like um, after the, the bubble burst or whatever. And I was like, you know, really getting into like Frank Miller and stuff and hunting stuff. And this was like ubiquitous. Yeah. This was everywhere. This was, you know, at like closeout prices. We had, we did a uh, J John Romita Jr. shoot interview on the channel where you're talking to the guy, man. And I, we asked the question, you know, what is, what is your masterpiece? What comic are you most proud of? Because he is a famously self-effacing creator, uh, always puts himself down extremely humble yeah like his dad you know down downplays his his you know place his you know very important place in in the history of comics yes but there's also a component in john romita jr where he feels like he has to show and prove because of all the people who have given him strife for nepotism and just always bringing his dad up in the mix whenever he, he would have a fresh opportunity he talks about it at great length like in our, in our shoot interview and he cited this series as the piece that he's most proud of in terms of his career because he said he really wanted to shut people up with uh, their rhetoric about him uh, when he was putting this comic together. And, and I think that this is just an incredible John Romita Jr. vehicle. Yeah, um, I mean, Miller, when they were working on it, Miller referred to this as the Daredevil Bible. He wants to make, like, this is it. And that's kind of how it was for me. I read this... Before I read, you know, like the stories that it references, you know, this was kind of like a really good starting point for I, getting into Daredevil. I believe in one of the Wizard magazines that we're talking about, as this thing was coming out, it was referred to as uh, Daredevil year one through seven. <laughs> yeah, um, Miller's um, treatment is called Blind Justice, which like, I don't know if you remember, like in the early 2000s, there was a TV series called Blind Justice by Stephen Bochco about a blind lawyer who solves crimes and has a radar sense. He looks exactly like Matt Murdock. I feel, I feel like, you know, they had like Frank Miller's TV movie treatment or whatever and like, you know, built off that. But, you know, who knows? It only lasted a season, so. Well, it's better than Steve Bochco's Cop Rock, right? Like, <laughs> uh, was that one episode? Did Steve Bochco do that? Steven Bochco did Cop Rock. I, I don't know how long it lasted, though, but I, I think it's due for a reappraisal. <laughs> <laughs> the things you get on Cartoonist Tape when Jimmy's away. 
from the opening splash. Now, guys who draw, like, for a long time, if you wanted to draw Mar Marvel Comics, you had to move to New York, you know? And it's like, this is what you get out of it. This is, like, a viewpoint that somebody who knows that world can do. And, man, what a great, like, upward feeling and, like, air and... and openness but confinement it's it's really well observed absolutely man uh this going through this book absolutely did make me feel like we should never set our comics in new york if yeah. we're not living there because this all feels solid and rooted in a lifetime existence of observation uh in those confines yeah my superhero universe is center around pittsburgh it's very smart very smart man Back in the days when you had cops walking the beat, getting to know everybody in the in the neighborhood and little kids acting fools, but uh, he he notices Matt Murdock's a good kid. Should be more like him. Chekhov's Billy Club. Yeah, I mean it's the origin of Daredevil's Billy Club. Like yeah, and yeah, within this work it it pays off, but just within the larger you know Daredevil thing, there's there's how he gets hooked up with his Billy Club. There's how he, he gets hooked up with his dual identity of good boy Matt Murdock and bad boy Daredevil. Great acting yeah. in his panels. And J.R.J.R., absolutely known for being an impeccable storyteller, and it is on display here in, in spades. Body language and weight is also something that I think about with J.R.J.R. Mm -hmm. Never draws the same running pose twice. And the weight with that lean right there, fantastic. Mm -hmm. The the Al Williamson inks, absolutely nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Interesting to see what it looks like on uh, this glossy paper. Well, yeah, that's that's something with this work. I'd say, like when we talk about the pantheon of like Frank Miller's works, it, this one doesn't really come up much. And I think a big part of that is. This is the worst production yeah. Frank Miller has ever had in his life. It's Can you not, say ever? Compared oh, well, to some of the... Here's, well, the close second would be Xerxes. Yeah. But even Xerxes is better than this. Um, you know, Dark Knight Strikes Again at least is kind of trying something new and going into it. This is like just... this. It's super generic. I mean, it's not the colors. It's not that like the color... The colors does a fine job. It's just like the paper, the binding, the this these covers... It's like, this is shit. This is gimmicks. <laughs> this, a shitty comic should have, like, this kind of embossed. And, and like, like a Miller thing deserves a, a, a better treatment. Treatment with, a, like, a more sensitive eye. Yeah. I would say that the, this comic, it, it suffers the fate of all the other comics that came out at kind of a bleeding edge period of yeah, time. Yeah, this is bleeding edge. Where Image Comics is out, and one of their big sales mechanisms is the glossy paper and the computer color. Uh, it took a long time for Marvel DC to even match up to those accolades of Steve Olive, mm -hmm. uh who were coloring all the Image Comics for much better page rates. Uh, so, Christy Scheel, a, yeah, ma does, a master... Does a, yeah, does a, does a great job. It's just like the, the technology of the time is kind of working against... The work and the, the the fashion of the time, like like this kind of, you know, this is considered a deluxe treatment at the time, and it just, you know, doesn't doesn't age well. I thought this guy was um, the kingpin. Yeah, sure. That, like you know, he's got that that got that, that build, shape. and like reading Miller's treatment and stuff, it's not. But it's like that that would be an interesting thing because the kingpin is kind of this like background character who appears out of nowhere, and they don't really establish that early but like you could if, yeah, if you really wanted to pay that off totally because the way the way miller um explores the kingpin character it's 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 john Gotti, mm -hmm. uh where the old timers they didn't want to get into the very like the dark vice of child prostitution and selling black tar heroin to people and john Gotti is like set set up those massacres so that he could gain gain power and things but he was just a heavy mm -hmm. to to begin with uh, the Al Williamson inking, though, man, is worth mentioning because lifetime of newsprint inking in terms of yeah. the the production. So we'll hit these like super thin lines, and on this on this uh, coated paper, those lines are preserved. But you know these lines when you take a look at the JRJR Al Williamson Daredevils on newsprint, and they bleed out a little bit. Yeah, they, they come and up. go. That yeah, they yeah. thicken Interesting up. Some. Things happen. The the sort of magic of of newsprint battling jack murdoch man he's a pug uh by day 
and a heavy for the fixer at night. This is one of these panels that always kind of stuck into my head for the body language of it. It's such an intimidating figure, and this guy, he's 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 selling the intimidation quite a lot. And um, Miller, I, I mean, not uh, Matt Murdock, you know, is like, I want to be like you, Dad. And so this is, you know, the, the beginning of Matt Murdock's alternate identity. It's like his dad walks around with a stick and a mask and beats people up and... Uh, Murdoch grows up to become a version of that. Right. And and you could almost, it, like, it, and it, it, they go into it more in, in his treatment, but that he's kind of known in the neighborhood as, like, the guy with the bat. Right. Know? And you could, he, if you came up with a name with for him, you could almost call him Batman. You know, <laughs> right. it could be, like, the origin of, of a version of Batman. Yeah, that's an Elseworlds story. Yeah. Uh, you have your Frank Miller melodrama where battling Jack Murdoch, man, gets hold of his young son and is like, you can't be like me. You gotta... Hit the books, kid. Yeah, and this composition was in the Miller stuff uh, when he was doing the the backstory, and then hit the Miller's thing was taken straight from Everett too. That pose is right out of Everett. Such an interesting technique. Like we've once once we're kids and you start thinking, like you you go through a period using this yeah. texture. It's the only time it's used in the comic, and I think it's to communicate just cheap IKEA furniture or mm -hmm. something. But you never see it used elsewhere here. Yeah, that's interesting. Those uh, fire escapes, just bold lines. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, tricky. Really tricky. But yeah, great depth, huh? Yeah, and a part of, you know, like the visual world of like Miller's comics. <laughs> There's a lot that reminds me of my relationship with my own pops. <laughs> well, don't point to that panel when right, you yeah, say not, that. Not, yeah, not, not, not this one specifically, man, but my pops old mill working dude. And he's mm -hmm. just like, you are not selling your labor for a wage, man. That, mm -hmm. shit, that shit just ain't happening. But young Matt coming home, hey, I pasted a guy. Yeah. Or I poked him. Battling Jack ain't having none of that. What'd I tell you, boy? He hit me and I knew it was wrong. See, like, Miller's a boomer, dude. And they're the first generation that were like, maybe maybe smacking on your kids ain't ain't the, the, the way to go. Well, they, I, they were the last smackers, I feel I, like. I don't know if, like, Miller was in therapy or any, but when you read his interviews and stuff, he, you, you know, maybe he's reading self-help books or something, but he's like, he's in that world. Like he's exploring like all, all those kind of things, those, those ideas with the characters. This is one of those over the top moments as kids. Uh, Miller's removed enough from childhood for to, to be writing this kind of sequence. Cause like the little nerd kid, out of sight, out of mind. You yeah. know, like nobody's like going around, like hanging outside of a window, like, mm -hmm. hey, you douchebag. It's like, good, you're out of here, man. Mission accomplished. It's interesting, like, these um, origin stories, they accumulate baggage. So it's like, okay, did you become Daredevil because your dad was a wrestler that was a devil? Or is it because the kids, you know, it, it, kids called you Daredevil? It's, it's, but it's all true. It all becomes true. The JRJR interpretation of Stick is well-remembered. And you know mm -hmm. what? I'm glad you mentioned, you know, checking this out and then accumulating your Frank Millers after that or, or, yeah. or whatever. Because that was absolutely my trajectory also like this is probably my first frank miller daredevil mm -hmm. yeah that, that it would have been one of mine of. maybe i had like a random issue or two of this stuff but like this is you know so first impressions are a thing man so this is stick to me mm -hmm. so when you go back to the miller run and you see the stick inked by klaus jansen with all the boils and yes. all the all the ronin stuff mm -hmm. on on his face it's very shocking and and stick again i'm just thinking about this stuff thematically and it's like stick his other is, is a guy with a like daredevil's a guy with a stick and then here's his 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 mentor a guy with his a stick his dad's got a baseball bat and reading this i feel like stick could almost be like a figment of his imagination right like this um father that he's created for himself it's, you know this taskmaster yeah it's it's, uh, it's john wayne in the preacher comics <laughs> Uh, getting the origin part out of the way really quick, really lushly, hitting all the exact marks that are necessary. And I love the the uh, syncopation mm -hmm. of this page here. Once again, sh all shouts to JRJR for just really never fudging his use of reference and, and turning it into his own thing. This just looks straight out of Ben Casey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this origin, like, I just remember sort of the Daredevil origin, the the um, Ninja Turtles origin, yeah. where there's like a single canister, you know, instead of like all this sludge dump, it's this single glowing canister that bounces, you know, towards his eyes. Building born again elements into uh, the, the origin a touch. Yeah, in his script and instructions, he he told uh, JRJR JR to 
try like for that sequence of like the hospital and the mom to try and adhere as closely to what he's established in uh man without fear or um in the, born the again yeah, yeah yeah in born again because he said he worked so hard to like establish that stuff back then so he, he doesn't want to like contradict it that that was like on his mind so when you get here that's probably the most harrowing view of young matt murdoch in re- recoup mode yeah it's pulpy it's and it's it's part of miller's um you know bag of tricks it's you know sort of noir i love the inking on the lips it's an it's a down plane so Mm -hmm. it gets more attention with line and just the quack reversal direction of these lines coming from that midpoint it feels so good yeah ramita always you know, gave a lot of attention to, to to the mouth, like more more so than other artists of his generation. How about this treatment? Yeah, of of shadow and following the contour of mm-hmm. the face, but not exactly. You know, still using kind of parallel lines, and uh, it's really adventurous. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Williamson trying stuff on, you know, and he's it's dirty. Yeah, and this is the stuff that makes me think of him as like an imaginary figure. Sure. Because and it is like when like a child is um, like unparented or or improperly parented, they create a parent in their mind that is like way more severe and unforgiving than like you know a, a real parent would be. Probably a good safety mechanism to grow up and not uh, be completely out of sorts. Great sequence. Yeah, all this kind of you know, Kung Fu master kind of stuff. Absolutely. Pai Mei and Beatrix kiddo we're looking at right <laughs> here, man. And it's that thing too, like like I have friends who are uh, teachers of, uh, of young elementary aged school children and there's, there's a maxim that goes something like, uh, you don't smile till Christmas and Stick is that kind of teacher. Like, yeah, this kid makes some strides, but he's no selling. Uh, the strides that the boy's making. Congratulations, you're out of elementary school. You can't help but think also, man, that this piece of work, it was in the back of Mark Miller's mind a whole bunch with yeah, for Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get this sequence. So you have all this sort of, I guess, like suffering or whatever. And, and you know, now we get to enjoy the night air and I, I come alive at night, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Another extremely interesting treatment mm-hmm. of, of stick. Cause now we're not we're cutting white into here. Have they done an artist edition of this? No, but they should. Yeah. So Miller, I've also read Miller's addendum mm-hmm. that, that John Romita Jr. Talked about on the show. And this is one of those things. Like he kind of went back. Most of it was plugging Electra into the story because she wasn't in the story in in the first iteration so it was plugging but then there'd be little bits and pieces like this where it's like we'll get this big double spread of, of like this, this is this yeah, is a this, plugged in this piece. is a plugged in piece yeah. um after some work had already been done on it and it's like that's one of those things with miller and i think it's the secret of his success he was kind of told by like the old guard when he was coming in at marvel that it's unprofessional to rework stuff and revisit and go you just do it and you're done but all, we've seen it all through his career with like Sin City and stuff. He like tinkers with stuff, and and that's that's like a great moment in there. So we have Badlin Jack. He's going Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. He he ain't going down, and he puts. In fact, he 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 wins the round, and he knows. But unlike Bruce Willis, he's he ain't playing no games. He knows what yeah. he's in store for. Yeah, he doesn't have a plan. This image right there, it's like I don't even know. Yes, what I'm what, looking at. What's that gun being stuck into? <laughs> I think it's supposed to be his mouth, but I don't know. Yeah, like I stared at this image for a long time. It's actually, it's not really helped out by the color because there's there's a bandage just like on the nose right here. Yeah, so that's these, colored flesh. These black sockets, are those are eyes. Yeah. Uh, but his face is all rearranged yeah, and pulpy. And it's and it's it's perfect because like you should stare at it for a while. It's one of those uncanny things where it's mm-hmm. like, what am I even looking at? Yeah. Man, they did such a number on this guy. And then blam as a final panel that, you know, really sings. Love seeing the pencils on mm-hmm. the back inside cover. That That is a, a real pleasure. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that we make in stores now. Tom Shioli has Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics, complete biography about the, the man behind the Marvel Universe 
in one handy bound volume, two, 300 pages worth of material there. Fantastic Four Grand Design is still on stands. That is Tom's version of the complete Fantastic Four story in one handy volume. On the racks right now is Red Room Trigger Warnings, four issues of that on your local comic shop racks at this very moment, but the Trigger Warnings trade paperback is coming out September 2022, and Jimmy has Hulk Grand Design, Monster and Madness are in your comic shops today. The single issues, 40 pages apiece, telling the complete story of the Incredible Hulk, and uh, around Christmas time comes the Treasury Edition of Hulk Grand Design with fluorescent ink on that cover, so that thing is going to stand out uh, a mile away. Now that we're done paying the bills, please support our comics. Let's get back to the video. Let's jump right in, dude. Yeah, so it's kind of like we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. And now we can maybe loosen up a little. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, like with, with the storytelling they did. Something extremely morbid about having a blind boy identify his father because it's hidden by the panel borders, but how does a blind person identify somebody but by touching their face? Yeah. And he's running his hands over a dead dude's face. His father's dead face. Yeah, that's there's. I was thinking about that with a lot of the shorthand in here too, of like when they were shooting arrows. It's like, okay, how does he know that he hit the bullseye? Like, you know, we're not seeing the panel where he walks over, feels it, and was like, oh, you got the bullseye, and then walks back. They don't explore the echolocation radar mm -hmm. stuff very much. There's a panel or two where he's like laying awake at night, and it's yeah. just like I could hear this, I could hear that, but it's not over the top stuff. Uh, they, like, I feel like in certain ways during his regular run, Frank Miller, they they push that stuff with onomatopoeia, basically mm -hmm. as far as you can. There's that one issue that's like all sound effects when yeah. when his Yeah, when his senses go back. super Yeah. Well also like the origins of this project, it's a TV movie or like or like a theatrical movie, but it's 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 a treatment for the screen. And so you're thinking about like budget, you're thinking about what a movie was back then. And so you try and take out as much as the com of the comic booky stuff as possible. Like yeah. really just saving it for maybe even the last the last page. Um and and then that sort of became a fashionable thing around this time too was let's pretend these are for adults. You know, let's let's take out all the embarrassing comic booky stuff. These are movie tropes. These are right. you know, adapting the 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 Daredevil story to movie tropes. One of those badass sequences that a, a young Eddie P in sixth grade really uh, was happy to see in, in a Marvel comic. And it's um, it's Jack Murdoch back from the dead. And this is his sort of like Batman alter his ba guy with a baseball bat and and, and a, a mask uh, in the treatment. He's got a baseball bat, a, a stocking mask and then a ball cap over the top. That's that's the image. The way J.R.J.R. pencils. And the shape of his heads when he has them mm -hmm. bending, it makes so much sense. And then I imagine with the, his side of the pencil, like he does like the down plane mm -hmm. and just gets it in there real rough, lets uh, Al Williamson do the work then. And how about those pubic body hairs, dude? Like we saw it with Mazzucchelli and it's like you're entering Miller's aesthetic world. So you're throwing in some, some Millerisms like into the mix. Such a great sequence, man, with the rule of quarters, punching dude in the face. But once again, not really helped out by the color. You know, those mm -hmm. those pennies and stuff, they get lost in the dude's shading on his body. And just give him one one for the road. Mm -hmm. But just more great body weight in there. Yeah, Contrapasta that, with the arm coming forward and the foot. That's that sunny kicking Carlo that last time. <laughs> Rest in peace, man. Jimmy Kahn. And yeah, so this is... Like he's the neighborhood vigilante uh, avenging his father's murder, and of course he's got a lot of learning to do uh, of this, you know, you know, guy jumping around on rooftops. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is kick ass. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, same artist too. I mean, that, you know, that's no coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I would uh, if I was to give young Matt Murdock any advice, I would say get out of the Levi's jeans, man. Maybe get something a little bit more mobile. Yeah, it's like, it like rips every time he <laughs> jumps down. Like More of that body language, man. Corners a dude who has a freaking heart attack. Mm -hmm. There's all this, like, Matt Murdock has a body count. Right. He's killed people. But, like, all these moves to make it happenstance or weird accidents. Well, and, and he's he's learning. And, 
like body counts and things are important to Miller. And with Batman, Batman never kills. Like that means, but Miller, uh, like um, Daredevil is like a Marvel hero. He's a flawed hero. So he makes mistakes. And just like with Spider-Man uh, and Ditko, you're allowed to make mistakes as a superhero kid, but then you cross a line where it's like you're a grown-up and you don't make them anymore. And so we see him approach and then cross that line. And like, we're in like movie land, whether it's because it was a treatment or because Miller's mind was just there, but we're in movie land. So it's like, we got a lot of like Murtaugh and Riggs, uh, you know, kind of stuff. Absolutely. And, and, and so this, like, this is how Lethal Weapon starts. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I think that, that, that image, and, and of course, like, um, what's it? Taxi driver is like a big reference for like these, you know, vigilante stories that he's, so this seems like something that, you know, well, let's explain what this is to the podcast people out there, man. Uh, Matt Murdock is getting pounced on by a bunch of, I guess, hookers accidentally knocks one out of a window, goes, runs off, cries in a little corner that, I mean, that's a Mazzy Kelly pose dude from born again. Yes. So, so she dies and that's on his conscience for the rest of the story and it becomes like a re- re- repeating motif yes now here's here's the only argument for uh like like maybe this page like to to go with your thesis yeah this page should just be ripped out right of of uh yeah like because, because it's, yeah because this is no point of view this is, has nothing to do with matt murdoch mm-hmm. it's a completely separate scene it's the only separate scene of the entire comic yeah. and it is stick it, it's basically just shoehorning in a bit about the mystic ninjas well, yeah. that we'll see with the hand eventually. Because this is the Daredevil Bible, and he forgot to put Electra in it. He shoehorn. He puts Electra not shoehorn, but he does a sixty-page addendum or whatever, an eighty-page addendum to put Electra back in it. But like, how complete do we need this thing to be? He could have had John Romita working on this forever. Yeah. He was like, okay, you know what? We need to put more of the hand. So the hand just gets hinted at. It just gets, there's a touch of hand. And it's like, if you want to see more of that crazy ninja shit, read the comic. Right. Love these captions with the arrows. Not enough of Mm -hmm. these in comics. Yeah, that that becomes part of Miller's vocabulary. You see it in all-star Batman and Robin, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, like uh, Daredevil's like the secret Writer of wrongs. Yeah, right. This is uh, an Animal House Gone Wrong. And another example of, like, you have to live with these structures your mm-hmm. whole life to be able to draw something that sort of believable. And when you see the pencils that JRJR does for a lot of this stuff, where he is really legitimately using just a side of that pen- pencil yeah. for, like, the foliage and stuff, he's just dashing marks out Mm -hmm. you know it's just he's hitting making the perfect marks every time super humbling yeah yeah it's like a lifetime in comics so after the and and by the way this is the university like are there such things as university bullies like isn't everybody kind (laughs) of like living their own life yeah i mean maybe because like miller skipped it you know and went straight to professional (laughs) right he skipped all that so he's like guessing he's like watching you know or maybe this animal house maybe this is like ccac 13th grade. Yeah, 13th grade. 13th grade. Yeah, KKF, Community College of Philadelphia is what Uh, it was called. That's your 13th grade over there on the other side of the state. I got a good goose egg, man. Like, those kids, those bullies ain't playing. There is that part in your your school life, usually around middle school, when puberty really starts hitting, where when you were in elementary school and you got into fights, it would maybe sting. Mm -hmm. But now you got guys... Who could legitimately break bones? With yeah, with fists. some weight behind. Yeah, and so you know, there's, um, you know, there's a girl who's who's interested in Matt, and he there's no time for that. Yeah, he's, he's, no he's a man on a mission. No emotion. And so then we get this sequence where him and his roommate are lying in bed, you know, shirts open and stuff, and. It made me think of that thing Neil Gaiman talked about where, like, his editor told him there is no masturbation in the DC universe. And <laughs> that explains a lot about the DC universe was was his return. And that's what I think of there. It's like, he he's like, like, these guys should be out, you know, with girls or something. Or, or like, you know, doing, so, you know, something. And they're like, there's all this, like, sexual energy that Matt Murdock like refuses to do anything with keeps contained. So of course he has to like dress up in a crazy costume and go jumping off rooftops and things. I mean, even his, his legs are crossed. Get, yeah. Moving toward your point, you know, he's yeah, fully cutting it, himself it's off. No accident. And then it's like, what happens immediately after this, you know, Electra comes into his life and, you know, it's an explosion. 
Uh, so we have a two-page sequence, just letting you know very subtly about the hearing ability. Mm -hmm. And boom, look at that, dude. Just another one of those Masters of the Plains, man. Mm -hmm. the, the down plane far away from the moon. I mean, this is, this is, this is Ava yeah. about to like dive into her pool. Now, now they, they started work on this in, like, I think, 88 or 89, uh -huh. and then it comes out in 93, but, um, you know, Sin City has hit the, you know, hit the... For two or three world. years. So we're, we're seeing an overlap, definitely, in, uh, in themes and, and approach. J.R. J.R. draws some of the best high-top sneaks I've ever seen yes. in, in comics. Yes. Like, these look real solid, man. And this is just the... This is, like, this guy who's been bottled up all day. This is... This is how it comes out. Yeah. And uh, little did you know, but there's a lady who's enjoying that stuff too. This is that Frank Miller shit where he talks about the operatic sex of superheroes. Yes, and, and yeah, this this becomes like, this is superhero sex. And you see it again uh, with Superman and Wonder Woman in Dark Knight Strikes Again. Yeah. This is this is this is how you, this is how you have sex in a universe where there's no such thing as sex. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The culmination probably be like at that beginning sequence in Holy Terror mm -hmm. with that Batman Catwoman right or yeah, just characters yes yeah, start, with with, right with literal explosions and that um, scene earlier you referred to with stick talking to like his master um like they established like he is the chosen one she is the chosen one but he is flawed we probably won't be able to take him and she's pure evil you know right the bad guys are gonna recruit her he's got this stealth outfit on mm -hmm. and it's nighttime so this is J.R.J.R. JR solving the problem of black clothes on bl black sky by cutting in the city lights and things. Mm -hmm. Real smart, but still allowing space for the black to kind of overlap with one another. And uh, because it is Daredevil year one through seven, you got to have your moments. This yeah. is this is you know the bad guy dropping the TV mm -hmm. moment. Well, yeah, and and Daredevil kind of has that important like or Miller's Daredevil has that imperfection built in. Yeah. And, um, you know, and he's still, and also, you know, he's built on the spirit and the spirit has that too. Spirit's always getting his ass kicked. Right. You know? Just more of that setting, you know, yeah. like, like I wonder, JRJR, man, did you, did you go, go out on the town and just take some snaps because it, it feels too authentic. Yeah. I mean, we've seen his setup and he's just got photos everywhere. Yeah. The, you know? the biggest drafting table money could buy, uh, Shouts to uh, Al Williamson with these tree textures, mm -hmm. just cutting things in with all what almost looks like Sharpie or something, yeah. just big markers, breadcrumb trail. Yeah, th this clothes sort of strewn everywhere. Another like cinematic thing that would be like a scene in every movie around that where you'd like pan through like the clothes discarded on the floor and then you get to like the bed, you know. Yeah, it's almost reverse Hansel and Gretel where the Wicked Witch is laying the breadcrumbs. <laughs> and then, see, he's got the greatest alibi ever by being a blind dude. Right. Because he's out doing crazy shit, man. But when the cops come get him, they're like, oh, this dude is blind? Yeah, it's been a while since I read this. So it's like, okay, is this where he, like, breaks the handcuffs and, like, you know, that kind of stuff? But no, yeah, that that's the alibi that gets him out. And she's, you know, like, I was reading this, and I'm like, oh, she's a psychopath. Like, yeah. She's just out for like thrills and like you know doesn't get, and self-destructive too mm -hmm. and i thought maybe, maybe that's too extreme maybe that's too extreme a judgment and then i read miller's treatment and he he calls her psychotic i don't know if there's a difference between psychopath and psychotic but but you know that was and he said uh, he said to uh jr jr the way i want you to sell her psychotic nature is facial to, to have her make completely inappropriate facial moves in, so like when it's her dad's funeral she's got some like very inappropriate look on her face that the, or you know this and that and and it it comes through in in the sauce that is a scary face yeah mm -hmm. yeah there's there's just there's no accidents in this kind of work you know where you have to you know driving at high speeds and using the steering wheel as a pillow <laughs> very terrifying and we've seen this built in a couple panels yeah. already, bit yeah. the the motif of the the falling lady that, that that is haunting him. That's his continual reminder to not let go of this strict control he has over himself. So sad the boundary the bounds of uh, the printing technology of the mm -hmm. day, man. Because I want to see that. Right. You yeah, know, I want to see that so bad. But yeah. you could see that side of the pencil stuff that J R J R does. Mm -hmm. 
Now this is the one, man. This is the first one that I that I got my hands on. Thanks to uh... yeah. And these are all the addendum things. Okay. So yeah. like they, they were deep in, and it's like it's like we need Electra. We, we I, I I can't do this Daredevil Bible without Electra. Um, so here's a bunch of stuff putting Electra back into into the story. You know, we would have skipped to like book four and and, and skipped part of book three. I am a big fan when done right of the stationary camera angle. Me too. Where we get to see yeah. these beat for beat moments and JRJR like it's the that body movement, man. Mm -hmm. Leaning forward with one arm in one panel, leaning forward with the other arm Does the next. Does squeak flex your rib cage? And this is posed out. This is posed out. Mm -hmm. Great great body movement. You got the heavy kind of walking by, mm -hmm. you know, from Canon Films, central <laughs> casting, uh, heavy. Uh, I believe I saw this this page penciled before with all of mm -hmm. the shading. And, like, what this would be in the JRJR is just a light value yeah. of gray shading. Yeah, just the side of the pencil. Yeah. And again, that's, that's part of why we're seeing all these unconventional... Um, Al Williamson choices because it does leave it to the inker to choose what to do with those side pencil things. Uh, there's a million things you could do with it. And Williamson has that built in um, Alex Raymond yeah. bag of tricks. He, he has a million textures he could, he could put in there. So this is like a pretty weird scene. And, and, and tell me if I'm getting this wrong, okay. but Matt Murdock is just kind of showing up Sort of for no reason, he, you know, he has some attraction to this girl. Yeah, he wants to find out her story. Like, what's up with, with this this girl, you know? So he trespasses. He trespasses, yes. He's a scofflaw. <laughs> a criminal, I guess, would be better. And knocks a dude through the, yeah. the greenhouse window, like, whatever, the atrium. Yeah, but I guess since it's a dude and he has a gun, it's different. Than, than the, you know... Who's just doing his job, also. Right. Like, they paid to just keep, Right, keep but, his... you know, you know the dad's, like, involved in, you know, organized crime or something. You know, he's... But, but you know, I get... You know, and this this is lethal weapon kind of stuff. Absolutely. You know, like a heavy falling through the ceiling. And she loves it. You know, oh, totally. She's, she's super she's, into it. Yeah. And, and a recurring thing with Matt Murdock is he could have so easily and probably should have gone wrong. He should have yeah. become, you know, like a, a, a master criminal. Framed within frames within frames. There's, mm -hmm. there's like panel border. There's the frame of the broken glass. There's the frame of the window. There's the frame of the broken glass. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? Four frames for, for your focal point? That's, that's incredible. This feels right out of Sin City. Yeah. All, all you need is a black background there, mm -hmm. dude. Like those Uzis or like Frank Miller Uzis. I feel like Frank got some influence off of seeing some JRJR Uzis or something. Yeah, I mean, who's to say? <laughs> and yeah. look at these guys. See, this is why this is why like all authors and stuff have like female assistants and shit mm -hmm. because the bad the you know, the Alexa's dad has all these heavies, man, who are so machismo, and they're just shooting up his crib, man. <laughs> they're jealous. The comparisons to Sin City are maybe also another reason why this work doesn't get talked about as much, because um, in Sin City, he does such like a purer, unrefined version of a lot of these story tropes. This is such a graphic panel. Feels like another Sin City panel. Like, you saw that in black and white. Mm-hmm really selling that bullet wound such an appropriate uh open panel here with just the blood trail and the body everything you need and this is uh you know the psycho showers he you know um is he about to get stabbed and it's like no <laughs> they're about to do some fluid bonding <laughs> some stabbing is, <laughs> is gonna, happen. gonna become blood brothers and she comes out looking all fresh, super happy. And I look, look how satisfied he looks. What the devil could Matt be doing in there? And it's like, what's he? He's doing Electra in there. She, that's the punchline. And here's your operatic superhero sex. Like the right, cur you tear the curtains, up the room. The yeah. curtains don't even stay up. How dope is this, dude? Yeah, and he's like, she's a good girl. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, that's the real place. That's the real place. And we've seen this. Um, maybe even the same pat, like like. I, in actual Daredevil, like in, in the, the standard Daredevil comics. So I don't know if this is a reference or it's just that, you know, it's the real place. So it's it's going to look like it. 
Now this is like, so this is her th and, and she's a, um, you know, she's a vigilante of sorts, but it's about, about thrills for her. And the one, the one thing I've noticed, like, and maybe this is because of like the movie treatment aspect, they've taken out the ninja stuff. So she's wearing like, this is like, I mean, this is like underwear or whatever, but it's like a version of the costume she wears. But like, you never see her pull out a sigh or throw a ninja. It's only like, I'm wondering if by this point in the nineties, Miller is maybe embarrassed about that stuff or feels like, okay, well this is, you know, that that's fine for the kids, but this is like, you know. Yeah, you gotta think much smaller mm -hmm. uh, with like a movie kind of treatment. Yeah. And and I, I it, it's, it's sort of too bad because it's this is this is a comic, so, right? So yeah. like, if you're gonna go back and make addendums, like, uh, which, which would be another criticism against this is that it's compared to other Miller works, it's maybe like one of the the ones that's more embarrassed of its comics and and doesn't celebrate its comics origins as much with the goofy stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. Some more of those shapes and planes mm -hmm. that J.R.J.R. does so well. This, this stuff is also similar to the way the cat that Catwoman was handled in Sam Hamm's original Batman 2 script that she she's you know like a psychopath kills uh, go, you know goes out and kills people and then she uh, I love this bit and and you know imagining it in Miller's script of writing out skelters. yeah I love New York <laughs> in blood you know it's like uh, you know the thriller video or something but that that kind of stuff was the Catwoman did that kind of stuff in the Batman 2 script. And I could just, because that I Love New York ad campaign was relatively recent. He wrote, writes this thing in 88. That was like early 80s. So it's like, he, he's walking around with that in his head. So, uh, the image of blood set, spelling out I Love New York with the heart. More of that operatic superhero sex. And, and they're happy. They found a happiness, but something about both of their characters just can't allow that to persist. I like uh, Stick hits him with the Vulcan nerve pinch. Mm -hmm. And the scene earlier where the boys are just laying there in their dorm room yeah. and Foggy Nelson has a TV between his legs. Yeah, watching Star Trek. Watching Star Trek. Uh, I have it on good authority that, that Frank Miller is a Trekkie. Yeah, he did some Star Trek covers where some of his earliest Marvel work. Yeah, here's the bearskin rug scene that was in a lot of movies of that era. When Matt Murdock has a moment of happiness, you just know it's not going to last very mm -hmm. long. It's yeah. not allowed. It's it's noir, it's serial storytelling, and then it, it also like works with the characters. And then here be, here comes Wilson Fisk, John Gotti, becoming the de facto leader of the... Gambino crime family. My dear, silent, nameless friend, you know, give me a back rub. You know, he says something like that, and then... You're, you're the only person I could trust. Yeah. Click. Snap that neck piece. Takes the rose, you know, part of his um, iconography. Yeah. Great cityscape. Yeah. Almost like from the intro sequences of uh, Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Two more to go. Now, I like this. They took Miller's introduction that he wrote for this book and then made it into comics, taking, you know, you know, pieces from the, you know, yeah. from the story so far. And it's like, yeah, you're a bunch of issues in. If you didn't read the, the first, you know, let's get you up to speed. Right. And we have the introduction of this kind of like Gary Busey in Lethal Weapon kind of character. You, you, you always know. need that second in command guy who's going to be, you know, the, the, the second to the last boss. Like, we, we know that you're not going to get one up on Kingpin. Mm -hmm. He's too important a character to be captured or killed, so you gotta build in some Joe Schmo. Psycho offenses, huh? Yeah, and three, here... Three different ways to draw them, just with line, bolder lines, outlines. Yeah, this is the hardest way to do it, to draw yeah. them. <laughs> this is... Uh, go for this if you can. Um, and, and Matt's about to leave New York forever. Good riddance. He's gonna move to Boston, get, like, a good job uh, at, at, a, at a firm, and he just is going on a walk, like a farewell to New York, and his feet just kind of take him to, uh, you know, um, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. And he finds trouble. And he, like, imagines them calling him Daredevil. They don't even mm -hmm. say it. Yeah, that's that's in the treatment, too, that it's in his head. Like, he's just hearing the, the nickname. This is what, you know... This is a great horror <laughs> movie sequence right here, right? Well, yeah, that's... Like, we saw with Elektra, and then we see with a lot of these, like, revenge scenes with the mask and stuff... It's slasher movie 
you know, another modern reference in this era. It's it's slasher movie iconography and like another way of thinking about these like masked, you know, superheroes as sort of slashers. And, and like um like Rambo, like the Rambo novel or whatever, you know. These last two issues are almost standalone they compared are, compared to the first three. They they are, but and because um, you're building in all new stuff. You're building in that Gary Busey. Yeah. You're building in this chick. Yeah, this is like your final act. Who's just whatever. a plot device. Like, she's injected in yes. here in issue four only to be captured. Yes. That's her whole purpose in life. In, I mean, she she mirrors Matt Murdock. And, you know, this is like what he was as like as a kid. And in the treatment, she's Betsy Ross. Mm. She's the one who sews the first Daredevil costume based on his dad's uh, I, I, I kind of had it in my head, like, I thought that they had retconned that yellow cost that Miller had retconned that yellow costume as being, uh, you know, Daredevil, like, young Matt Murdock grabs his dad's wrestling outfit and puts it on and starts kicking ass and then makes his red costume, you know, but I, maybe I'm just imagining that. But yeah, you're, I mean, Kingpin gets introduced, like, in, you know, the, the way they, you know, uh, Gaiman gets another pass on Sandman if uh, Miller does a Daredevil TV show that he gets to produce, you know, maybe he plants uh, Wilson Fisk a little earlier, makes him one of those mob enforcers at the beginning, you know, because yeah. it is like, yeah, there's this like last part that all comes comes to a head real fast. Yeah, the, the first time you see this outfit is in issue yeah. four. Should it should have been earlier. And again, it's also like, this is pulp stuff. This is like Elmore Leonard. It is. When you get close to the end of an Elmore Leonard, all of a sudden the story completely changes. So... You know, these are choices. Miller's a smart guy. These are choices, I guess. And so, yeah, the, the parents... And, and he's the guardian angel or the guardian devil, uh, you know, listening to their prayers and, and, and there to answer them. So, Chekhov's Billy Club. Yep, there it is. In the locker. The, the same one he stole on page one. Yeah. Hasn't been opened for two yeah. decades. Yeah, in the, in the treatment it says how his locker's been rusted shut. Like, he hasn't touched it since he was a kid. And he he's you know popping up everywhere, following the this uh, the the dad as he's being sent on on you know it's it's like it's it's two addicts who just come up with this harebrained scheme and you know now the kingpin wants to kill them and, and but they're they're having this guy run all over the place so they can get a little extra money out of him right. There's planting the money. There's a junkie. There's a deleted scene that they have in the back where the dad that's running around with this ransom money notices Matt stalking him. And then he like hits him with the bag of money. Like like a subway car goes by and it messes with his senses. And then, yeah, it, it, it should be in here. And, and Miller, you know, took it out. Uh, and I, I'd say rightly so. Yeah, this is it. This is the sequence. Yeah, so this is the father? Yeah, this is the dad who's got the bag of money and they keep sending him on a wild goose chase saying, go here, go there, go here. So good. And the junk gets hold of the loot, gets his cap peeled by Gary Busey mm -hmm. with the five head. What a beautiful sequence there. Yeah, all the staircase action that we expect from the, the this staircase era. established by Alfred Hitchcock in mm -hmm. the movie The Lodger. Mm -hmm. You know, such a great sequence when you see the lodger go up and it's just a hand. You just see a hand going mm -hmm. higher and higher. So good. And so then they they throw her into this like warehouse, this like human trafficking warehouse, which Miller's explored like more in his work. Like his final Sin City kind of centers around that, like like the big bust out. Uh, and, and the character, like, it's a very Daredevil story, mm -hmm. like that, that last Sin City. Yeah. <laughs> There's a part where, like, all the kids join together in song. They're, they're all singing along with her, and, and it's talked about more in the treatment, but it's like, she knows that he has super sensitive hearing, so she starts singing. And, and I wonder if Miller had an idea of what song they would be. I'm always curious about that stuff when they talk in comics about somebody singing a song and they don't say what song it is. I think all these kids were, were taken from, from that fame school. <laughs> So this is how they cope, man. I, they're singing the... Uh, I, There's I'd Coco. Like, I'd like to buy the world a Coke song. <laughs> and, and he's got the outfit from uh, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk when Daredevil yeah. shows up in there. Um, this was written before that, like 88. It was started before that, but this comes out after that. So I don't know if it's like, you know, 
what's you know who who's who's influencing who really cool. like the the last um the last issue is kind of like the the all out like just all out battle it's kind of an interesting structure because usually like a four issue mini series uh, uh, you can have uh, act 1 is issue 1 act 2 is issues 2 and 3 and then um issue 4 is act 3 but with this it's like you got 5 so then you can make the whole final issue the big blowout battle yeah, that yeah. you've been building to this whole time. Isn't that nearly the cover of that one issue of Dark Knight? Yeah, yeah. He's and you know, and it's like this is this is what you would get in a movie if if it had Daredevil in. Like this is what we did get in the in the Incredible Hulk movie. Right. It's like we are not gonna put a red guy in a suit. Right. You know, in, in Hey, in, look at the tension of our background with the uh gimmick right here. Now my first time, like, sitting, when I was a kid and I sat down and read all of these in a row, I had the time of my life, but it wasn't until these, like, last two issues, maybe even the last issue where I was like, I love this, com you know, where yeah. it like, really takes off. And I felt that again in this reading, where it's like, yeah, this is pretty good, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not bad. But then when you get to the end, it's like, that, that structure is, like, a really effective structure. Agreed. And I would say, like, as a kid reading this for the first time, uh, it... You know, you get swept up. Yeah. And I had a steady diet for maybe 10 years of just grocery store, Marvel DC mm -hmm. comics. Uh, it didn't even occur to me until that last double page spread where I was like, oh, he wasn't even in his costume the entire time. Right, yeah. It still felt like Daredevil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how much, and Miller stated this, how much surface stuff can you strip away from these characters and still have them be the character. Yeah. Like that's that's a, a, a trick he was working on at that time. And this this is another instance of that. More of that great body language and great high tops. Mm -hmm. And he is, you know, he's his father's son. He's he's uh you know Murdoch 2.0. He's yeah. like refined it, changed it a little, but he's still he's still in the family business of uh uh kicking ass and taking names. Great little sequence of him kind of like zeroing in mm -hmm. on what what he's hearing like i love this kind of like he just you don't have time for these kind of sequences in a standard comic mm -mm. but if you take it make your four issue miniseries into a five issue miniseries all of a sudden it's and this stuff is part of like this was part of his initial this isn't addendum stuff this was you know part of the initial thing how about that run pose yeah sick right great like yeah. he's really turning a corner hard <laughs> We know this, the, the two plot device characters, yeah, like right. we know this guy's built in to be the last guy yeah. murdered and, you know, she's the, the prize. Yeah, I, I suppose if Miller had sort of come back, because this is this is his last Daredevil work, right? Yeah. This, this is it. So if he had come back to, maybe he would have built her into, you know, the mythology more, but this is his farewell to Daredevil. And he said he has no interest in going back. With a Ben Odalite treatment on the lettering there. You know, that could be mm -hmm. a D for mad. Utter disrespect, man. Just shooting cab drivers. His one eye's open. They color it flesh and everything, mm -hmm. but... No, I guess both are open. So our two plot devices uh, make their way by way of cab into some sort of abandoned building. So, the, And then this is like, you know, a, a really cool you know, budget conscious sequence, you know, yeah. for a movie where it's like, he shoots at him, he hits him and he doesn't care. He shoots at him again. He swats it with his, with his billy club and it hits the floor. He shoots him that, that last time and hits it with his billy club right in his face. And you realize like he wasn't fucking right. This is, this is what this guy can do. Right. You build in your kingpin mm -hmm. as the overarching villain of the entire daredevil saga he's he's done versions of this like yeah. in like the sienkiewicz mm -hmm. uh graphic novel and maybe even at the end of born again in the treatment he there's a huge bust it's like the end of taxi driver or something like that 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 warehouse the untouchables men uh yeah. you just a bunch of loud talking a badge mm. there there's it's like filled with cops it's a huge bust and kingpin has to leave the country 
he leaves, you know, he, he gets out of there because because he's going to end up in jail otherwise. And then I, I suppose that explains why he's like out of the picture when he shows up in the Miller run, you know, why he's in, in Japan or whatever. This is the kind of thing when, um, you know, you you establish the feature film and then you like leave this bit out so that when it gets brought to uh, the, the, the small screen, mm-hmm. yeah. you have your budget villain du jour stick showing up again and very much like i like this theory that you you put out mm-hmm. there man especially with the way that we've seen uh these kind of um invisible friends treated like yeah. like like in preacher comics mm-hmm. where uh you know stick it stick just shows up at the opportune times and he's and they're they're flipping the coin to figure out if it's going to be murdoch and nelson or nelson and murdoch he flips the coin and Stick grabs it and is like, "You lose, kid." And it's like, you know, it's just, it's just great. That's his relationship with Stick. And it's a, it's a. This carries throughout the whole, the entire character. Like, mm-hmm. Daredevil is not Batman. Yeah. Daredevil is not Spider Man. He's always a B lister. He's right. a perpetual B lister. Also, that's why it's Eastman and Laird, by the way. <laughs> Are they because the coin? No, because Uncle Quentin gave the loot, man. Okay. And it so was, then this is like, this is the 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 thing you offer to the fans who show up at the movie that like for the very last shot of the movie you see the costume you're like oh man daredevil 2 is gonna kick ass <laughs> right and um and i i like the thing of you know multi the multiple character shot and then it starts out with that like yellow daredevil costume here's the thing though man little kid matt murdoch here the black bandana matt murdoch there right yellow have your Gene Colin, yeah, and then have that, you know. Mm-hmm. So no, like, a... like three of the same, and, I, and also you stop here because I think this same year during that Scott McDaniel run, you get the the armor Daredevil. Yeah, the Image Comics Daredevil costume with the shoulder plates and well, shit. You know what? It's funny you say that because reading the treatment, reading the script bits and stuff like that, and reading this comic, I so bad want to just draw this comic. You know, <laughs> we had Frank Whiteley on going through. Akira Volume 5 with us. And he was talking about how looking at Otomo and Mobius, both of those cartoonists, they excite him to sit down and draw. Yeah. And JRJR has that quality for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's specifically the JRJR Al Williamson tandem uh, has that effect on me where I am very excited to sit down and draw by allowing us to see these wobbly pen strokes. And these very clear, like, brush strokes, you know, subconsciously, or very consciously, it's telling you, these are drawn lines yeah, this, on paper. Yeah, you see the, the, the presence of human hands, that, that somebody made this. Right. It wasn't, like, stamped out. You and know. and it's, it's exciting, especially mm-hmm. for somebody who sits down and, and, and draws all day. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let, let me make my contribution to, uh, to, to, to comics in my own way, after checking some stuff mm-hmm. like this out, man. Ah, oh, super yeah, fun! It's a it's a classic. Like it's it's gone up in my estimation since the last time I read it. Right, colored version of that sequence. These uh, sequences that got tossed out. Ah, uh, this is the the uh, JRJR. Yeah, the, his his thing about their conversation on the phone. Dedicated to Dom Mickey Romita. I'm I'm guessing uh, John Romita Senior's brother. Sure, Uncle Uncle, Uncle, Dom. Uncle Mickey. Fantastic, man. Uh, long time coming on yeah. the channel. Mm-hmm. Had to bust this thing out. Just had to wait till Jim was out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, for the JRJR treatment alone, the second he said that on the shoot interview that we uh, did with him made me want to bust these out again mm-hmm. and take a look. And with, with that in mind, that JRJR admitted that he was ex- going yeah. for it hardcore to shut up the haters, to shut up the people who kept bringing up his father's name. We, we talk about like the money incentive too around this time. And it's like, I'm going to team up with Frank Miller on one of the few Marvel perennials. Like this is a standalone, hey, you heard about Daredevil, here he is. Right. You know, like... Nice royalties on this one, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, going forward, you know, JRJR has had some amazing collaborations, mm-hmm. you know, with, with various writers out there. Yeah, and, and re-teamed with uh, Miller on Superman Year One, you know. Right. Danny Miki on Inks, I think. 
And well, Al, Al, Al Williamson is uh, no longer available. Had to Jim Lee it up a bit. You good to go? Uh, yeah, I'm good. All right, K-Favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. Tom, what do you have out there, man? I have uh, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. I have Fantastic Four Grand Design. Uh, there's American Barbarian. You can check out my Patreon and see, you know, a bunch of comics that I've, I've been doing over the years. And I have a YouTube channel, Total Recall Show. Red Room Trigger Warnings coming out on the stands. The trade paperback is hitting shelves in September 2022. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. You can get these comics at your local comic shop. Put in your pre-orders now. Uh, if the comic is banned in your comic shop, you hit up the link tree in the description below this video. You're going to be able to order your comics directly from Fantagraphics, go to Amazon, whatever is most convenient for you. Uh, and if you want to read the comics today, I'm actually serializing the next round of Red Room Comics uh, on my Patreon. Three bucks to get you the archive there. Nearly 300 pages worth of stuff up there as we speak. New strips every Tuesday. And the work that is being serialized will not hit paper until 2023. Uh, we have merchandise in our spread shop that you can uh, grab to help support the channel. And it's something that we love seeing. Uh, out in the wild at San Diego Comic-Con, at, at the various comic conventions that have been springing up uh, in, in, the, in the wake of calamity. Uh, so wear the kayfabe flag, grab some merchandise, and uh, since Jimmy is not here, Tom, can you please give the fellas the marching orders? We'll be on our way. Make more comics.